I can't tell you how much I enjoyed saying touch them all. Way back and gone. Touch them all, Joe Maurer. And now these guys are making it relevant to this year's Twins. Now, our two resident hardball nerds will attempt to touch them all on the week's news surrounding the Twins in MLB. Here's Phil Mackey and Derek Wetmore. Wow. Okay. Uh, welcome to the Touch Em All podcast. Recording this just a few minutes after the Twins take game one of uh, their three-game regular season series against the Indians, which might be some foreshadowing for, uh, for a clash in October. Derek, you and I aren't really into breaking games down, individual games on the Touch Em All podcast, because we, we feel like baseball is more of a big-picture sport, and we like to keep the, the podcast topical and, and thematic, but... Holy crap, Brian Dozier, three-run oppo bomb to take the lead. Uh, Byron Buxton, insane catch in the gap, and the Twins' magic number is one right now. Yeah, I think it's safe to say, Phil, uh, and I'm probably stepping on some toes with this a little bit, but, like, it's probably happening. Uh, it's, in fact, we need T-shirts that say it's probably it's happening pro- for maybe another 24 hours. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it, it, won't, it won't be probably happening for very much longer. It will be actually happening. But for me, just sort of, like, not really towing the line or, or going out on any of those tree limbs, I like to stay on the sturdy end of the trunk where now I can say – with their probability of making the playoffs something like 99.5%, I can still say it's probably happening. Yeah, there's so many things. I mean, Brian Dozier with three hits tonight, Eddie Rosario with kind of a classic Eddie Rosario game, four hits and uh, and a big home run, his 27th of the year, but then like a colossal base running mistake. Yes. And Bartolo Colon goes one inning, and they use, they use a team record 10 relievers in this game. So... There's just so many. This team is so fun to watch. This team has so much of a bleep you mentality to it. Everything about this team screams bleep you. And here they are staring down the Indians in their own ballpark and and yeah. coming from behind in the eighth inning. It's just, uh, I mean, I I'm just I'm sitting here with my proverbial bowl of popcorn and right. and and waiting for the next thing to happen in this season. Can I throw three things out there? I'll just probably go rapid fire, and if we want to settle on any of them, we can. But they're problems that this, – this is the kind of thing I like talking about. This is what I talk about with my friends when we talk about baseball. That's like, okay, here's the stats, but also here's the context of the stats. And I think sometimes we, we lose that. I'm not making fun of stats, people. I'm just saying generally uh, we can be limited in some of these things. And so all three points fit under that umbrella. Are you ready? Yes, fairway. Number one is this catch probability, which I'm all on board with. I think baseball moving in a direction where we can more readily quantify defense is a significant stride forward in player valuation. But did you see that Byron Buxton catch where he was a little bit shaded, and I think it was Jason Kipnis lifted the line drive that easily should be a double, is a double with any center fielder standing out there, and Byron Buxton robs it to – I mean, he turned a double into an out. And uh, I saw the stat cast measurements pop up. It's a five-star catch. Of course it is. I mean, it's maybe the most remarkable catch he's made this year. And I saw somebody tweet that it's a 24% catch probability. 24% chance that that ball is caught is absurd. No, I I think it meant that maybe Byron Buxton had a 24% chance to catch it, and he did. Because no other outfielder in the – unless – I'd have to watch it back unless he took a I'm assuming that a lot of people who are listening to this watch the game or have at least saw uh, seen the catch. 
unless oh, yeah. he took a weird route and made it harder than it had to be. But after after watching it two or three times, it looked like a beeline to the gap and yeah. just an all-out diving catch as the ball was barely above the uh, the top of the blade of the grass. Well, I'd say maybe it's a decimal point error, and it should be 2.4%, but that even yeah. seems too high. Maybe it's like 0.24%, and yeah. he caught it. Uh, he's my team MVP. I know Dozier had the big home run, and Eddie Rosario had a big night. More on him in a quick second. But Buxton, for me, somebody asked me the other day in one of our mailbags, and I, I sent it out in my newsletter. Basically, I don't think this team is here without a lot of guys. But I think none more important than Byron Buxton, and that catch was just another point of evidence yeah, in that. Yeah, put it this way. Byron Buxton's presence defensively, and I agree. I, I, I think it's between Brian Dozier, Irvin Santana, and Byron Buxton, and maybe Eddie Rosario in there for Team MVP. I think those would be the four guys on the ballot. But Byron Buxton's presence in center field allows you to get away with, as a playoff team here pretty soon, a 44-year-old Kick to yes. the curb, Bartolo Colon is one of your starting pitchers. Allows yes. you to get away with Matt Belial as a closer, with pitch to contact Kyle Gibson as one of your main starting pitchers, Adalberto Mejia as one of your main starting pitchers. His presence allows you so much leeway with your bullpen and starting staff. Imagine yes. what it's going to be like at some point when they eventually put together a fully locked and loaded starting pitching staff and... Uh, you know, a set of seven or eight relievers that maybe rivals what Cleveland has or what some of these other teams that they're going to run into have. Yeah, most teams in baseball, if not all teams in baseball, would want Byron Buxton as their center fielder. Not that you'd trade straight up for whatever, Mike Trout, I get it. But, you know, if you could put Buxton in center, it makes your center fielder than your right fielder and your whole team that much better. It, it's been pretty amazing. Uh, two other things that we can just go quickly on, because I'm sure you've got stuff you want to get to as well. And I uh, I put out my wild card roster today. Um, we yeah, the only the that. only thing I really have to get to, whether it's on the podcast or not, is just finishing my twins body paint that I'm going to wear That's to the right. radio station <laughs> tomorrow. Right. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, just, well, just, just going to be wearing body paint like Kate Upton in uh, in in a in a photo shoot. Yeah, speaking from experience, you're going to want to sleep first and then just get up early and get okay. it done in the morning. You can get pretty uncomfortable and messy if you go to bed with that stuff. That's good so advice. Just, yeah, thank yep. you. Pro tip on body paint uh, another thing so Eddie Rosario great night not going to take anything away from him but his hit against Andrew Miller had me laughing because what did he go did he have four hits tonight four for four four for five yeah or oh, four for five thank you yeah uh, and you a know. colossal base running mistake which is kind of yes. classic he can either be an amazing uh cerebral base runner who who gets away with things wow how did he anticipate that or tries to go second to third on a ground ball to the left side and gets gunned, you know? Like, that's with just classic Rosario. Yeah, with nobody out. Right. I, in his defense, a tiny little bit, because you're right, that kind of play just drives me crazy. I mean, I'm not a Twins fan. I'm not an Indians fan. I'm an impartial observer, and I watch that play, and I just think that's bad baseball. I don't like that. But... Uh, Lindor is one of the only shortstops that gets to that ball to his right, so I can kind of see why Rosario thought that might bleed through. Still, don't get thrown to third base for the first out. Uh, whatever. Rant over. The other one was funny to me that he already had a home run and two doubles, and then he's up there against Andrew Miller, one of the best lefties in the game, and he's like falling down, falling out of the batter's box on both of his heels and just kind of pokes the bat out. 
and happens to pull the ball then through the right side <laughs> of the infield and gets a hit. And it's like, well, whatever. That counts just as much as the, like, screaming liner into center field. They're both singles. Uh, so that that was just kind of funny to me. Uh, the third thing where, like, stats maybe – Stats maybe don't help us as much as we think they'd help us. You're, uh, I assume you're a fan of Brian Kenny. Is is that right, the analyst? Uh, I I do like Brian uh, uh, Brian Kenny, and I and he did bring up something interesting about the Yankees' strategy for the the Twins game next week. We can maybe get into that uh, at a later date. He wants the Yankees to go full bullpen against the well, Twins. That's exactly what I was just going to bring up. Okay, and, and even though he doesn't, it's. It's not so much that he wants his strategy, although I'm sure he does, his bullpenning strategy to sort of take over the postseason and eventually the regular season. Uh, it's less about that. He's taking a softer stance this time, and he thinks that the Yankees should save Severino for the division series. And my issue with that is that you think it's a foregone conclusion if you're the Yankees that you're going to beat the Twins? Like, you're definitely the favorite. Don't get me wrong. You've got a home game. You've got the better starting pitcher. Probably the worst lineup in my estimation, but but you're the favorite. You should win that game. But it's not like it's a 90% lock or a 95%. It might be like a 60-40 game or something like that. And so to have the sort of uh, brashness or the audacity, whatever you want to call it, that you think line up this better pitcher, the most dominant pitcher on your staff for the next round on the assumption that you'll get there, I think is problematic thinking. I mean, if you're the Twins, you, you hope that they get that cocky in New York, but I don't think you can really manage the postseason like you're playing to win tomorrow's game. I think every night has to be you're playing to win tonight's game. So I'd be really curious to see what they do with their pitching staff. Yeah, that seems a little bit presumptive to – to, to implement strategy for an ALDS game one, two, three that may not happen. So right. I would say just implement optimal strategy for the wild card game. I, I totally, I'm not going to dismiss it and, and laugh it off like I'm sure some people are, some traditionalists are, because Brian Kenny is one of the great, I think, uh, forward thinking baseball talking heads in this country. And so I generally like what he has to say. And yeah. and I and I think there is a, a place and maybe a, a time and a place to go with the bullpen game. And I guess the wild card game could make sense if you don't have Luis Severino available. You know, if like if you're the Twins and you have that kind of a bullpen, if you had the Yankees bullpen and you had already burned Irvin Santana and Jose Barrios, and you're choosing between Kyle Gibson or like Bartolo Colon and Alberto Mejia, maybe you would consider going with your lights out bullpen for that game because you wouldn't yeah. trust Bartolo Colon. In fact, here's right. a question for you, speaking of Bartolo Colon. Actually, let me ask you this question in just a second here because I want to give a tip of the cap to uh, our main sponsor for the Touch em All podcast and uh, one of the, the companies that keeps our content churning on the radio on all the 1500 ESPN platforms, Luther Brookdale Toyota. It's right on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. And I liken Luther Brookdale Toyota, if I could use a baseball analogy, to a front office and a set of coaches, managers, and players that are all the best in their class. You've got an all-star lineup. You've got, like, the Theo Epstein front office. You've got everything you need. And recently they just built a new stadium, quote-unquote, and it, and it gives them all the, uh, the tools and the trinkets that they could possibly want or need to make your life great either shopping for vehicles, trading in vehicles, 
or uh, getting service done. There's a reason why my family and I have been going to the same dealership and service department for 30-plus years. It's the best. Find out why. And uh, you're also helping keep the Touch Em All podcast alive when you stop into Luther Brookdale Toyota 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. Here's what you may have missed on a recent Purple Podcast. Delvin Cook in the passing game adds another layer to this. You know, if you're an opposing defense and you're trying to game plan now against this offense, your your only plan is really just you've got to get after the quarterback because that's the only way to slow them down with these two wide receivers and with all the things Delvin Cook can do. Mm -hmm. Because if you play two deep safeties, well, Stephon Diggs can pick you apart underneath. They can run Cook. They can pass the Cook. But if you bring a safety up, then they can go deep all over the field. So what exactly are you supposed to do as long as you get execution out of the quarterback and the offensive line? Mm -hmm. You can find the Purple Podcast on iTunes, Podcast One, or 1500ESPN.com's podcast page. On Bartolo Colon, he went one inning tonight. Dumb question, because I was in route. I was listening to some of the game on the radio. I was uh, helping produce our uh, our friend, the Crafty Rogues tonight, the Crafty Rogues podcast. If you're a soccer fan, go check it out, download it. Did did Cologne get pulled because of performance reasons, or just because, or was he hurt? Like what? What no, was the? Well, it's a little bit of both, if you ask me. I mean, he was getting lit up like a Christmas tree, yes. and probably deserved to be out of that game. But then the report. Uh, passed along by our brethren in the media uh, after the fact say that he was also coming down with some illness so that he wasn't okay. 100% and there's some of that that goes into it but he's also man he's he's been bad so, <laughs> so that's my question would you would you ever use Bartolo Colon again if you're the twins I mean he, he I think he he helped in spots and for a while he was one of your better starting pitchers and I think you probably got more out of him over the two-month stretch than you thought when you signed him uh, that said, do you trust him at all the rest of this week unless you're just using him, or even in the playoffs, unless you're, you've already clinched and you're just using him to avoid burning like Irvin Santana? Yeah, it's more the latter for me. I don't. I, I did my uh, wild card postseason roster today, and Cologne was one of those guys that I considered just for the, um, well, the theater of it is the wrong word, but sort of the gesture of putting him on the roster because he's a 44-year-old vet and you're not going to use him, but, hey, you helped us get here, tip of the cap career. And then I was like, no, screw that. You've got to manage to win one game, and Cologne is in no way, shape, or form allowed to stand on the mound during that game if if I'm calling the shots. I would use him again just because the schedule lines up for him to do it nicely, and then that's your tip of the cap probably career I'm, I'm guessing at 44 even though he's said behind the scenes that he wants to pitch another season uh, we'll see I guess I don't want to fast forward too far here I just think that you're gonna clinch probably tomorrow I'm guessing and we'll see what happens with the White Sox and Angels here tonight as we record this but probably tomorrow either the Angels will find another way to lose a game Angels or... won by the way the Angels have, oh, so have officially won the game 93 for the White Sox so magic number one going into uh, Wednesday so if you lose out and the Angels win out, well, okay, we'll maybe amend some of these comments. Otherwise, one of those things doesn't happen and boom, Twins are in the playoffs. I would use Cologne just to sort of chew up some innings. Like, it'd be the same reason that you'd start a guy like Aaron Sleggers or start a guy 
like Nick Turley. I'm just trying to get through today's game without using one of the starters that I want available to me in the wildcard game. Now, with that being said, I think that Cologne could give you some of those innings, but that you're not really looking for much more from him beyond that. And I personally, just as like a gesture kind of thing, because I, I do think these things matter a little bit. Once the games don't matter, if you treat him well and sort of give him a hero's farewell, I think people see that around the league. I think other players see that, and that helps elevate the perception of the Twins as a workplace. Basically, if you're a free agent, you see that kind of stuff, and you think, wow, yeah, that's that's one of those organizations I always see treating people well. I would try to do that with Cologne. You wouldn't want him to end on the note that he just played uh, here in Cleveland tonight, but I, I mean, I'm speaking in circles here. I just can't imagine any scenario in which you'd want him pitching in a postseason game. Yeah. I keep going up and down the box score, and I'm just like, like Max Kepler had a ringing double that, uh, you know, off a left-handed pitcher late in the game. And he, and I think he's been probably the quietest of a lot of the bats in the lineup lately because Eduardo Escobar has 20 bombs and is going to wind up with like a 750 OPS. Jorge Polanco has been incredible, batting third. Joe Maurer with his best season in four years. And there's just, you can go up and down, and the stories, Robbie Grossman's going to finish with, I believe, the second highest on-base percentage on the team. And you and I are both firmly entrenched on Team Grossman going back to last offseason. Here's another name, too, a guy who's kind of an unsung hero in some ways, especially after they traded Brandon Kinsler, Dylan G. Two more clean innings, a couple of strikeouts, a 351 ERA, a guy that I absolutely trust if a starting pitcher gets into a pinch in either the Yankees wildcard game or if you beat the Yankees and you get into a situation where one of your starters has to be pulled after two and two-thirds, you've got Dylan G in there as a change of pace, long reliever. Um, there's just so many things to talk about with this team and um, and so many storylines. You could, you could dive into rabbit holes for hours with this team. It, I mean, it legitimately is. I stand by what I said, Derek, a couple weeks ago, and I kind of got la- – I said this on our radio show, and I kind of got laughed out by, uh, by Judd and by all the, the people who we, – we put this up on Twitter. This is the most fun twin season, for my money, since 1991. And I'm including the contraction twins from the early 2000s. I'm including the 2006 season. And I say that because every step of the way is unexpected success. They're the first team in history to go from 100 losses to, once they wipe out this magic number of one, playoffs. Every step of the way. They, they, they're sellers at the deadline. They wave the white flag. And they still find a way to claw their way back and play among the best teams in baseball for two months. Unexpected success. Bartolo Colon, unexpected. I think uh, the fact that two of your three main relievers, Buzinitz and Hildenberger, weren't on the 40-man roster. Unexpected success. Matt Belial had like a 10 ERA in the first half of the season, and he's been pretty damn good as your closer for the last two months. Unexpected success. Every yeah. step of the way. Been, it's been a lot of, uh, I mean, in terms of storylines, you couldn't possibly ask for more. I was telling somebody the other day, so my day job at 1500 ESPN, yes, I cover the Twins, but I, I mean, I do a lot of other stuff. I'm editing, and uh, we do podcasts and coordinate that kind of stuff. And, like, Twins is a, a meaningful portion of what I do, but I wish that I had, like, two full work days every day now because there are so many things that I 
just want to write to, and I and I often don't have time to get out all the storylines. Uh, one thing you mentioned, Dylan G, and I sent out. Uh, so I posted my column, fifteen hundred ESPN, and I sent it out to my newsletter subscribers, and I got a bunch of of blowback on my column, and rightfully so. This is just a bad take by me uh and and my subscribers of course are some of the smartest twins fans around uh, obviously why else would they be subscribed and they pointed out dude you have tyler duffy on the roster and not dylan g and my point in writing the column was look if you're in a spot where you're using dylan g in the way that the twins have been using him since he's i mean except for a couple of spot starts here and there but if you're looking to use a mop-up reliever that role doesn't exist in a one-game wildcard scenario. You just empty the deck. You go, if Irvin Santana gets struck by a line drive in the first inning, you better have Jose Barreos up and ready to go in right. the game. But like, where, I, where I would argue, and I think maybe we spend a full episode here this week once they clinch, just sure. like putting a lot of thought into what our – let's just both unveil our 25-man rosters here. But the reason why I think Dylan G does make sense – in a wild card game is number one, he's a lot more used to coming in with like two outs in the third inning and runners on base. And you got to put out that fire and you got to stick around for three or four innings. I mean, that's just a role that he's been in for, for the entire time he's been with the twins so far. I trust him to do. I think, I think Jose Barrios is a better pitcher. Don't get me wrong, but I trust Dylan G in that specific situation more than I trust Jose Barrios or Kyle Gibson who are used to doing their full warm-up before the game and coming out, walking out with their teammates and taking the mound. It's just I think there's a dynamic there. Mm. Sometimes it takes that starting pitcher a little bit longer. You just don't know. Sometimes sometimes it doesn't affect them, and sometimes it does. And and if if we know that Dylan G is not going to have that weird, ambiguous, is he going to be ready to, to pitch right now in this situation or not? And also... I guess the second reason why I would put Dylan G on the wild card uh, game roster, you're you're going to have a really quick hook on your starting pitcher in that type of a situation. I mean, if it's not, I think ordinarily a mop up guy comes in if the game is out of hand, if the starting pitcher gives up like seven runs in the first two innings, and then okay, you're down seven to one, just give us five innings, please, and let's get let's get through this game without using nine pitchers. But you know, in a do or die game, if even Irvin Santana, if he doesn't have it, and and he's issued four walks in the first two innings, and he just he just doesn't have it, but maybe he's only allowed two or three runs, you'd hook him quicker in that game than you would if it were a regular season game, and part of your agenda was to preserve arms in the bullpen. So yeah, maybe I think that there's something. This would be a fun podcast because I can tell that we disagree a little bit on this, and it's like getting into the nitty gritty weeds, which I think. I think, I can't speak for our listeners, but I think it's something people have been looking forward to basically since we started the podcast. <laughs> and we haven't just, we haven't really had an opportunity to do it. It's more like big picture stuff and trades and Derek Falvey taking over. And now we can talk about whether you'd rather have Dylan G or Tyler Duffy as the 24th or 25th guy on a wildcard postseason roster. It's, there's a lot of fun to be had here in the next week if you're a Twins fan, I suggest. Soak it in and enjoy it. Um, on, on Duffy v. G, I am willing to concede that my uh, my followers were smarter than me on that <laughs> one. I am I my only point, just a rebuttal on your thing, Phil, and we can certainly dive into this more as we've got more uh, podcasts planned for this week, including 
a mailbag. So if anybody has any of that, keep your eye open on Facebook and Twitter um, for the call for questions here later this week. But, like, if Irvin Santana issues four walks in the first two innings and you're down 3-1 and there's a couple guys on base and you're in a tight spot, I'm not going to a mop-up really. No disrespect to Dylan G. He's been fantastic in that role for the most part, couple clunkers, but mostly very good and trustworthy. I'm going to, like, Alan Buznitz or whoever. You're going to the, your trusted guys, or if it's a lefty, I'm going to Taylor Rogers. The rest of the game, you figure out that later. I don't build from the back in a one-game must-win wildcard situation. I'm building from the front, and then if you get to the ninth inning, well, then you worry about, like, okay, well, is Matt sure. Belisle still available, or do we have to go to somebody else? So, anyway, when I put my roster together this morning and then wrote it up this afternoon in a column, it was kind of like, these were the things. They're very minor details, but I think that they matter. And if you're the Twins, you're going to probably wring your hands over them. Do I take... 10 pitchers or 11 pitchers or even nine pitchers and just go a ton of position players and have that flexibility. There's a lot of fun things to try to figure out within the confines of their current roster. And I just think of it in terms of Irvin Santana starting the game and you're hoping you get length from him in case that you don't, how are you backing yourself up the best? And I think you just go pecking order of most trusted relievers, which isn't something you do in the regular season, but that's what makes the playoffs fun. For the record, if I had to predict one way or the other, Irvin Santana's performance in that game, I think he shoves. I think he gives you like seven really good innings, and it comes down to can you score runs off of Yankees relievers and or Luis Severino or whoever pitches in that game. Like I, I, I'm pretty sure Irvin Santana is going to, is going to bring his game. I mean, this is, you know, this is one of those moments that you, Irvin Santana's entire career has kind of, kind of led to moments like this. Right. And, and he's, he's been able to get big outs with, uh, with men on base and two strikes. And he just feels like kind of a big game pitcher that hasn't quite been unleashed a lot in the postseason. Uh, so it'll be fun to watch. I think we should stop this podcast right now because they haven't clinched yet, and there's so many things left to talk about this week, and we're going to ramp up the volume even more so than usual. You're going to see a lot more Touch em All podcasts. We, I saw you guys on Twitter today asking if we could maybe start to go daily. I don't know if we're going to go daily with this, but we might get pretty close as the Twins play exciting baseball down the stretch here in September and October. And also, Derek, I think we can put out the uh, – uh, the, the bat signal for just pleading for you guys to give us five-star ratings on iTunes. We appreciate when you do, and it helps the podcast show up a little bit higher in the sports and baseball and Twins rankings when searching on iTunes. So if you could just leave a five-star review and uh, tell us why you love Dylan G in the wild card game <laughs> or whatever, like whatever you want to say in the comment section or in your yeah. review, that would be awesome. In fact, I was reading a couple of those, Phil, the other day. I think people usually think they leave them and then, you know, that we're not going to read them. Oh, no, I, a... we read them all the time. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, not I'm, as con- I'm constantly refreshing just to validate my own existence. So. Oh, okay, so maybe for you it is an ego boost thing. <laughs> I was going to say not an ego boost, more like keeping tabs, figuring out what do people want, what should we change it up, what were their favorite episodes, what should we do more of. And it's funny, I think there was a time that we called for iTunes reviews, and we were talking about, like, replacement-level players. Because there's legitimately nine or ten reviews on our iTunes page that say, almost like word for word, so you must have thrown something out in your snarky way. Uh, Will you give us five stars and then say that the podcast is, quote, uh, 
not replacement level yet, <laughs> but not horribly far away or or whatever. Okay, he, so, so here's the challenge. Okay, leave a, leave us a five star review if you could be so kind on iTunes, and instead of writing a paragraph or whatever in the in the review comments, if they'll let you just write the name of your favorite obscure Twins player in your lifetime. So okay, not Kirby I'll, Puckett, I'll... not Tory Hunter, your favorite obscure Twins player, and a five-star review on iTunes, and uh, that would be awesome. Yeah, I can't wait to read some of those. Maybe we'll have to bust those out on the next podcast. Jeff Rebelay. <laughs> Denny Hawking? Rich Becker. Oh, you're going to beat me at this. You've got a deeper <laughs> Rolodex. <laughs> Call it Duty Modern Warfare is here, and so is Mountain Dew. Roger that. Now you can unlock in-game rewards like only Dew can. Wait, what rewards? A Dew Operator Skin. Man, I love Operator Skins. Dual double XP, and even Call of Duty Points. You're kidding me. Double XP and Call of Duty Points? This is incredible. I can't believe it. This... Soldier, get a hold of yourself. Oh, Roger that. Look for specially marked packaging and visit mtndugaming.com for details and restrictions. Open to U.S. residents 17 plus. College duty points available on 12 and 24 packs and free 20 and 23.